Welcome to the Wildlands. I'm Matt. And I'm David. And today's episode is brought to you in part by Little River Polyculture, where you're sure to find a delicious variety of microgreens and baby greens for all your meal prep needs, as well as West End Sports, your five-star Yamaha dealer from northeastern New Brunswick, where you are sure to find something that revs your heart. And today's topic will be New Brunswick 2021 Hunting Regulation Changes. So let's jump right into it. All right. So again, welcome everybody to uh, episode 10 of season three. Uh, We are actually uh, talking today about uh, 2021 changes in the uh, hunting uh, guidebook that each and every one of us receive when you actually purchase a hunting license or you're supposed to receive anyways. But uh, there's quite a few changes that actually happened lately. Some, well, I mean, most of them are for the good. So let's... uh, Let's get a little bit more into detail with this. Uh, how about it? Yeah, of course. I mean, the the changes that came in effect this year have been in the works for some time. Uh, hunters have been asking for many of them, which I believe, uh, you know, with the with the help of hunters and with the the help of good ministers in in place there, which are hunters themselves, uh, really brought out and and listened to what the hunters wanted. And it's starting to get there. Uh, We're going to talk about the first one, which is something that we were able to take advantage of during our moose hunt, uh, being the online registration of your own game. Meaning that once you harvest your big game animal, you can actually go uh, online onto the uh, Government of New Brunswick website on natural resources. They have a portal there that you know, very simply step-by-step tells you exactly what you have to do to register your own big game animal. Um, Saves you a lot of time. Uh, Not that it was very troublesome to get to the the DNR office to do it. It's just that, you know, uh, some people like to do that on your own. You're not in a rush. You can do it, you know, uh, once you get home. Uh, I've hunted in, in some states that had been like that for years and I always found it very interesting, and I always said I would wish that that would be uh, that way down home. And this year it came into effect. Uh, it, was, it was quite simple. Uh, here we use, like we mentioned often enough, we have our what we call our outdoor card. Uh, it's just a, like an ID, individual ID, hunter ID card. Um, and pretty much you log in to, once you have that card, you have an online account, you log in with that. And then it's step by step. Uh, what wildlife management zone were you in? Uh, what, you know, what day, what time? Uh, male, female, you know that that kind of yeah, thing. All, your tag all number. All general information. I mean, it's pretty much doing what they ask at the DNR, uh, but you're just filling it in the blanks yourself, right? Well, I think uh, I think at a certain point we actually talked about this. You know, as this being an option. Uh, in one of our earlier episodes. And uh, I mean, I think this is mainly, I think this was mainly brought to the table because of the whole COVID thing. Of That's, I believe it's been in the works before COVID, but I think COVID was what the, how did they say that the, uh, the, the drop that overflows the glass? I believe that it, COVID was really that and it, it happened before other priority stuff maybe. Yep. Uh, well, I shouldn't say priority. I should say 
things that were moving forward before COVID took the back burner and this one here kind of jumped up a step. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, definitely I believe that that uh, had an effect on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the only physical thing you have to do uh, that we had to do with the moose registration, I'm going to use this one because it's the first one we've ever done. Uh, you have to remove a tooth and you have to bring it into the DNR office because they, uh, they study that for age and all kinds of different aspects on that yeah and you know what i think is kind of funny about this is like it kind of if the if the idea of implementing this was to throw forward the whole social distancing less contact with you know the population and and so on and so forth they kind of defeat that purpose in a certain way as well by saying hey you still have to come in (laughs) you know what i mean like it's just we, we put we're putting up preventions but at the same time we're not. <laughs> but the thing is, is that if knowingly they set up a box to drop them off. Yeah. Where our buddy did not know it was there because, it, I mean, it's first time, right? Yeah, exactly. So he still had to go inside and ask where to put it. And they directed him to go outside and put it in the box. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, uh, if we would have known, there would have been no contact. Uh, but yeah, and, and the instructions are very clear on how to do it. How to remove the tooth, what tooth to remove. Um, very simple, very clear. Uh, one thing that I did notice, and anybody out there that either did their own registration or want to register, let's say, a deer in the upcoming season or a bear or anything, is that they require, and this is not mentioned until you are doing the registration process, okay? They require a photo of the tag on the animal. Okay. And they require a photo of the full head of the animal. Okay. Well, that's new. The, full, right. the full head uh, photo, I mean, most hunters will probably have. Yep. Because they will probably take a picture with the animal, which mm-hmm. is, we had that picture. And it just so happens that, because uh, legally you have to tag the animal as soon as you get to it, right? That's yep. the first thing you got to do in the hunter regulation book. And like we mentioned, we had to drag that moose uh, through a pond, then through the woods to get it to the road to put it in the trailer. Okay. Now I mentioned to uh, my buddy, I said, "Look, if I said if you're tagging him now, I said I would just tag him on the way out on, once he's at the road." He wanted to do it, you know, by the book, which I mean is is the proper way of doing it. But I said, "What if the tag gets ripped off dragging this through the woods and we lose the tag?" I said, you might as well take a picture of the tag on the animal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Without knowing that it was going to be required, we actually took the picture of the, the tag. Okay. Which once we registered it, we both looked at each other and said, did we did we take a good guess or were we just lucky or did we know this? But it is not mentioned anywhere. And I mentioned it to a lot of other hunters that did not know. Okay. So yeah. Anybody in New Brunswick listening that di- that didn't do it and that wasn't aware of it, it, yeah, you take that picture of the tag on the animal because they will ask for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, one thing too that I di- I do know, um, I would say that I, I've heard through the branches. Now, obviously, everything that that is new that comes into effect uh, will have bugs. Uh, I know that there's a lot of people that were uh, having issues with this. Uh, with this, reg- with this registration system uh, early spring, 
when uh, bear season came oh, out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was, even though it was, you know, you could register it online, it was still asking you to call in to the DNR, um, either by phone or to be in person to register your animal, uh, because they were having some troubles with their, their registration system. Now, obviously, as you guys have proven, it's up and functional fully, uh, which is a good thing. So hopefully, you know, for others that, uh, that have registered animals or, or, or game or whatnot, you guys haven't had any troubles, but uh, up till now, everything seems fine. Uh, the other thing, too, that I find is really uh, convenient of this is, I mean, you know, well, again, not everybody has the opportunity to just always be available to be able to, you know, to claim or to register their game that they've, uh, that they were able to get. So this really just adds that availability uh, for everyone. And I think it's a, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, in these states where we've hunted before, um, what we've seen there, I had never seen an online registration, uh, but they would. it was just a phone call in. You'd call in and it was like, press, uh, your enter your wildlife management zone, you know, your hunting yep. zone 707, uh, yep. you know, the date and everything. And that was very simple because you could literally do it out in the field right when you harvested your animal, Yeah, which was great. Um, so, yeah, but this online is, is great. I, I like it. I prefer it that way. It will simplify things, uh, let's say, as for my father with the outfitting business, if he were to get um, internet access at the lodge. He would be able to do all his registration there instead of running to town. And, you know, it would really help out there. So it will have some advantages. Yes, it will have some bugs. Yes, of course, some people will not do the technological thing. And they will still register them as they have been for years. Years. But, you know, for, for a lot of us, most of us maybe, and a lot of the future hunters out there, this is a great step forward in what New Brunswick wants to do with hunting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, in, in terms, again, like we said, this this episode is really pretty much a, to talk about new uh, new changes and everything like that. Uh, another new change that came out uh, as well, which is something that you and I have both been talking about because it's always kind of been up in the air of the question of whether or not Hunter Orange must be worn um, uh, when you're bow hunting. And uh, yeah. as mentioned in the regulations, because Hunter Orange is required as of October 1st to December 31st. Uh, September 1st, yes. sorry, not October 1st, correction. September 1st up until December 31st. Uh, yes. For for those that are, well, not just hunting, but also those that will be traveling on lands that are, you know, periodically hunted on. Now, in terms for the Hunter Orange, however... Uh, new changes that came out is, as we mentioned, well, as we were talking about for bow season, for bow hunting, uh, it is no longer required in both tree stand stands sorry, and ground blinds uh, for deer season only. Now, yes, this is for bow archery, and crossbow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This archery. is for bow and crossbow, uh, yeah. both devices. Now... For the Hunter Orange, though, uh, again, I mean, you're still going to have to wear it when you get to your stand. You're still going to have to wear it when you leave your stand and, and so on and so forth. But yep. once you are in the actual stand itself, uh, the the attire is not required. 
And once again, I'll reiterate it, uh, it is only during deer season. Therefore, if you're in moose season or, uh, you know, spring bear or whatever, uh, you spring bear, you don't need it. Yeah. You don't need it for spring bear, but I mean, I still wore it. Fall bear. Just in case. Fall (laughs) bear. Yeah. yeah. Fall bear. (laughs) Fall bear. Gross. Small game. Uh, varmint hunting. Anything that is huntable between September 1st and December 31st, you need hunter orange. Except your three weeks of bow season uh, for deer, which includes, like you said, crossbow and bow. Uh, and again, like it's fine to say you don't need it, but you need it. Like it's 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 some people are going to try to get away with saying, well, the book says you don't need it, but it does specify clearly in stand or ground blind only. Yeah, exactly. So, and and I mean, uh, there are some some small, I would say there are some small loopholes, but it's not really a loophole. It's more of a, uh, I'll say more of a, like a, a leniency to, uh, to certain types of attire. Uh, the reason I say that is because, I mean, we, I mean, we all like buying brand name things and obviously some equipment that have brand names on it, uh, especially in terms of hats uh, or toques or caps or anything of the sort, will obviously put their logo right in the front. And most of the times the logo itself will not be Hunter Orange because, I mean, if you put a an Under Armour Hunter Orange over a Hunter Orange cap, well, it's... It's just, just an that. orange cap. It's just <laughs> an orange cap, right? So uh, the let's say the the type of you know mulligan that they're giving everybody is that they're saying like, look, hey, if you're wearing a cap with like a a, a different colored logo on the front of it, um, that's okay. We're fine with it. And the other mulligan that they kind of give you, like the the freebie that they kind of give you, is also in terms of hats, um, the actual palette in the front does not require it to be orange. It, I mean, if it's camo, it's camo. If it's black, it's black, brown and brown. Uh, you yep. know, any any type of like woodland color or whatever, uh, it doesn't matter. As long as the actual shell of the hat or toque is orange, then you're good to go. Uh, and that's even including the logo on the front. Uh, it also mentions in terms of zippers, uh, crests, uh, different things like that, that, that may be on the clothing that you're wearing, uh, that as well does not have to be hunter orange and, and so on and so forth. If you have anything or of that type, uh, that's also the kind of mulligan that they give you for uh, other type of attire, which is good. It's okay. I yeah, mean, no, definitely. It it helps out. And and this is this is for all attire for any type of, of you know, clothing that you wear uh, during September 1st to 31st. So it's really like the the... The freebies they give you with the caps and the clothing, uh, that's for all, you know, the entire time that the Hunter Orange is required. However, the bow and crossbow is the only time during deer season that you're allowed when you're in a stand uh, to be able to remove that type of attire. That's right. And again, this kind I of... Mean, a, yeah, go ahead. I see, I see the, the... I mean, nobody knows for 100% sure if deer do see or does it make a difference yeah that's what i was gonna get to I mean, <laughs> it, it yeah exactly like in a certain sense i can understand that 
everything looks broken up and all of a sudden even if they don't see even if they seen black and white they don't see orange but they see this one big blob of singular solid color. color yeah singular up in that shade tree. it's not normal <laughs> yeah right so and and you know for a rifle hunter there's a lot less movement going on in that stand there's a lot less you know he he doesn't have to stand up he doesn't have to you know move around that much which means that even if he's wearing the hunter orange i i can see that it makes a difference whereas a bow hunter you know getting up moving around positioning yourself drawing your bow there's a whole lot of movement going on up there and if you can eliminate the fact that you're just one big blob of a single color shade whatever up in that tree it will definitely make a difference yeah and so, so i'm really happy with that one yeah exactly and and you're also looking into proximity yeah exactly. i mean proximity when you're in a when you're hunting with a bow or crossbow i mean you really don't have that much variation like you don't have that much choice in, in the type of distance that you can you can take the shot whereas you know when you're hunting with a, a rifle um you have that opportunity of being at quite a large distance away from the, the you know, the target itself. Therefore, I mean, color-wise doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, uh, affect you that much because you're mm-hmm. already at quite a lar- uh, quite a ways away. Uh, the distance where... is making is making more of a difference than the color when you're rifle hunting. Exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's one of the, the, the great, well, one of the good changes, I think, that are, are yep. actually happening. Now, another change that we talked about uh, between us, uh, you know, the last time we went uh, goose hunting and, and we, you kind of brought it up and I thought it was a really cool thing is uh, the caliber restrictions. Yes. That one there has been, uh, I mean, for me, I've been really wanting that eliminated um, for the simple fact of really, let's say if I'm, I'm coyote hunting during deer season, well, I, I'd rather only carry one rifle. I know I can during the deer season, like legally anyway, but it, it just made me feel like after deer season is done, why do I need another rifle if I can, you know, it, it'll bring down a lot of people's having it if they want to hunt and they can't you know get their hands on two or three different rifles for different game they can maybe you know pick one it, it'll definitely be too large for i shouldn't say too large it, it'll be over what is needed for uh varmint yeah it'll be likely. over necessary but still, exactly still usable but yes and if you can get away with having one rifle only you may get extra hunters out there which is a is a good thing uh you know enjoying enjoying the the outdoors and the sport of hunting itself now i see a lot of people the negative comments that i've been seeing with this is they're saying that it's going to drive up poaching okay i have a hard time with that being said because if the caliber restrictions are lifted is it going to make me a poacher or you a poacher no. Will it entice that many people to go poaching? Probably not. In effect, what I actually like about it, and I mean, this is going to sound counterproductive, but listen, like, reason with me here. 
somebody that wants to go poach a moose or a deer or something, all right, and it's outside of a large caliber season, let's say we're going to call it the first week of December, all right, all they can walk around with now is a 22 caliber maximum rifle, which means, you know, 22, 250, 223, 20, uh, 220 swift or, or, you know, something of that sort. They will, a lot of them will still try to take down a large animal with that caliber because that's what they're out there to do anyway. Now, they may, they, they may be able to, a poacher will do that anyway. Uh, but now if the caliber restriction is off, he's varmint hunting with a large caliber, at least he will not injure the animal. Let's say he's there to to kill a moose, to poach a moose, and he shoots it with a 22-250, and it, it does not die within reasonable way of him getting it, he's going to go get another one. And if that one doesn't, he'll go get another one. Whereas if he has a large caliber, at least, I mean, I know it, it's poaching is still not, I do not encourage it at all, but at least he will just injure slash kill one that is my opinion on it yeah and it's not just that like uh, like i understand where you're coming at with this one as well where you're you're looking at it but like like let's be honest with everybody uh i mean do we really believe that a poacher who or anybody that's poaching in any essence if I mean, if you're, they're already taking the step to illegally acquire a an animal. Do you honestly believe that they were like, hey, at least let's follow the caliber, uh, you know, rules of the year? I mean, well, they're they're doing it hidden. Like they're not they're not hunting. Like a poacher isn't hunting to follow rules. A poacher yeah. is is already breaking the fundamental rule right off the bat, which is hunting out out of season therefore i don't i don't necessarily think the like prior to somebody that was poaching was like gonna say like hey whoa i'm illegally hunting this animal but at least i've got the proper caliber for legally (laughs) you know what i mean like if they get caught they get caught (laughs) yeah but if you get caught with a 22 caliber any time of the year you're legal yeah, but I mean, as long he's as still you don't poaching. have, as long as you know, <laughs> he's hunting varmint. Yeah, but I mean, if he gets caught with an animal, I mean, oh, if he gets caught with the animal, you're screwed. But yeah. I mean, until he has the animal, he's hunting varmint. So that's why I think, and I mean, they've always, I've always heard and considered a twenty-two to fifty, you know, a poaching rifle. That's what. That's oh, what yeah. I've, you know, what I mean, and and again. Uh, to me, that's the biggest positive. Uh, biggest positive one for me is that, and also that I just really like hunting with my large caliber rifle, which I'm glad that I'll be able to carry around year round now for coyote. Yeah. Yep. But uh, for me, the caliber restriction is mainly. I'm I'm kind of happy for it for that because I do have a varmint rifle and a large caliber rifle. But now I'll just be able to pick the one I want the day I want to go out. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, the caliber restriction to me um, was a long time coming. 
I, I, I know, I think if I'm not mistaken, we're one of the last provinces that had a caliber restriction for, uh, varmint. Yeah. I think there might be, I think Quebec might still have one, but I'm not even sure of that. I don't know. I, I didn't look up uh, into other provinces if they had it or not, but I mean, again, it, it works for me as well because yep. again, I'm, I'm in the category, like you say, I don't have, Both. you know, a, a variety of firearms. I've only got, you know, a couple and, uh, it goes, it, it, there, the gap between the two of them are actually quite large. <laughs> well, that's it. It's like, like you now, you no longer have to purchase a new firearm. You can yeah. hunt anything you want with what you have. Exactly. So I find that, Which you know, to me, that's a pro. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, I see no cons in it because I do not see the uh, validity in what people were saying uh, of it affecting poachers. I mean, a poacher is a poacher. That's right. It'll poach regardless of the way. If it's a trap, if it's a firearm or whatever. But I mean, again, the only thing that I find is that at least now there may be less injured animals out there. Yeah, exactly. That, that's it won't one stop of the, them. It won't create them. Yeah. But it will at least, I think, stop the injured animals. Yeah, exactly. It'll it'll stop the uh, the unnecessary need of uh, finding a a downed, injured animal somewhere in the woods while you're going out there for absolutely, you know, still unnecessary. And and again, like like Matt said earlier on, in no way, shape, or form do we vouch for any of this uh, this behavior. But no, I mean, I don't think this is a regulation. Yeah, I don't think this is a regulation that's going to change anything towards that type of behavior no. because if they've done it before and if they continue doing it, they'll still do it and they'll still be there. I mean, it's just, that's how it is. And I mean, that's what it is. I, I, I just can't, you know, you yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I can't see no reason or, or rhyme to, to why it would be an argument as to why they would, it would increase. It's just. It has but no... those were the those were the comments, the negative comments on the caliber restriction that I was seeing on oh, a lot yeah. of online forums, or even just talking to any hunter out there. Yeah, they were all saying, "Oh, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard." Now people are going to just, just go poaching more. Yeah, it, I, it's it's I, an it's argument I think just hu- to talk. It's not going to turn a hunter into a poacher. It's not going to say tell anybody that never hunted before, "Hey, now I can go and and." hunt with whatever caliber I want, it's not going to do that. It's not going to turn somebody into yeah, a poacher. Exactly. So, I mean, if, they, if they've if they done it before, they'll do it again. Regardless right. of, the, of the caliber they're using, they'll still do it. <laughs> like, I mean, that's it's right. just... That's right. It's just until they get caught that It's whatever. as simple as that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think it's just like putting hot air in the steam, and, you know, putting hot air yep. out there. And I mean, we live in a world yep. now that that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and another, it's too easy. And another... Regu- <laughs> Yeah, another regulation that that came into effect uh, last year, which is back into this year, and it kind of comes into what we said a while ago that the um, what took priority mm-hmm. last year, we were allowed to hunt uh, for thirteen or fourteen Sundays. Saw that uh, out of the year because mm-hmm. Sunday hunting in New Brunswick is is not permitted. Except, I remember a couple years ago, it was for the three Sundays for rifle deer only. But you were allowed to hunt small game, varmint. You were allowed to hunt whatever was huntable during those three Sundays. Uh, 
you could hunt. But now they've pushed it to the the last 13 or 14 Sundays of the year, starting with the first Sunday of rifle deer season. Now Which would that would be uh, October. Um, the end of October, 20-something? Yeah, yeah, I think no. so. Yeah, 25th, 20th, yeah, I, I think, think it's 25th somewhere around there. Like that. Yeah. Now, that was pushed by a lot of all hunters because most of us work Monday to Friday with two days to hunt. But we were only getting one uh, for the Saturday. I mean, it was a whole lot of effort to get out there, uh, you know, or if you have to take your, your week vacation during hunting. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, family life gets pushed aside which is not a great thing unless you're including your family in the hunting and which is a really great thing but um so yeah this year it's back to the same thing and they are trying to get uh sunday hunting starting i believe they're trying to get it to start at least on either october 1st or september 1st yeah for october 1st would be for a small game and archery uh, deer. Now, September 1st would be uh, to include it in fall bear. Now, I am very pro uh, Sunday hunting. I would love to see that eliminated. I hope to see it eliminated because, again, it would allow somebody like uh, myself to be able to involve my kids into the outdoor sport of hunting a lot more. It would allow... Uh, rotational workers like yourself to gain that one extra day of hunting on their time off uh you know when possible so i'm really hoping again this year it's it's the same as it was last year it's not a new regulation i just want to throw it out there that it's it's new for a second year hopefully that's a step forward into eliminating it uh or or getting it allowing it year round And, you know, it's actually, it's funny that you talk about this because it's something that uh, I talked about with uh, some of my colleagues at work today. Um, And it's, it's kind of like, where does this, this regulation stem from initially saying that on a Sunday you cannot, uh, you know, like there's no firearms that are allowed to be uh, used on a Sunday and so on. And like, I have nothing against beliefs or anything like that. And I'm, I'm just kind of curious if this is something that may or may not stem out of, you know, religious, a religious belief, like a religious background, uh, stating that a Sunday, because we, we all know that our parents on most Sundays would have, would have either their parents would have brought them to church or anything like that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of leaning towards this as being one of the, like a, a pastime belief, but, uh, who knows? I don't know. It could yeah. be for absolutely a reason completely apart from it. Uh, I have no idea. And I'm actually curious if any of our listeners would would have, or even if you do, Matt, if you have any inside information well, on this, on the whereabouts of this decision. Well, no, I'm, I'm kind of the same as you. I have was kind of told that that's where it came from. Um, yeah, exactly. As everything was like, let's say we're going to go, let's, let's talk about Sunday in general. I remember a time that the stores weren't open on Sundays. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't go That's shopping true. on Sundays. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that changed. And and I believe that that was just how things were back back then. Yeah. So 
I'm guessing that yes, it was stemmed by that. The the thing I have with that is why, because uh, I mean, when I go to the states, I can hunt on a Sunday. Uh, well, certain states that I went to, I know I can hunt on a Sunday. Uh, maybe not all. Uh, I believe the western provinces you can hunt on Sundays. Yeah. Um, you know, I I I don't know where it stemmed from. I don't know why it's still there. Or now at this point, why is it only certain Sundays? Yeah, if you're going to do it for 14, why can't you do it for the other, you know, 40, whatever, 30, whatever? Exactly. And and a great point that you actually pointed out, like uh, that you just mentioned, is like before Sundays used to, like everything used to be closed on a Sunday. Uh, as time goes on, things are open. So therefore you have to bear in mind that, I mean, prior to Times when change. this re- yeah when this regulation exists well it still does exist but when this regulation was implemented uh people were not working on a sunday everybody was off That's but right. now most families and most at least have one individual in the family that or or both or how many they are work on a weekend We'll work on yeah. a weekend. We'll work on a sunday so therefore yep. it's like eliminating that opportunity that i mean and me, now it's they're, not they're even working. That. It's if if the whole reasoning behind it was that Sunday was meant to you know be with your family, whether it be that or whether it be to to go to religious gatherings of any sort, or or whatever the the fact was, why once the being able to go do your groceries on Sunday, it didn't affect that. Yeah. Or why did working on a Sunday not affect that? And why, again, me, what gets me is why you're allowed for a certain number of them, but not all of them. What difference does that make? And one one thing that you'll hear is that, okay, people that want to enjoy the outdoors, uh, other outdoor activities other than hunting, can only get one day a week. To enjoy them without hunters in the woods compared to where a hunter can go six days a week. But that's not true because the hunter will more than likely work for five of those. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's give or take there. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, you know, that's that's one of the... I think that's one of the issues that, again, like I said, I'm throwing this out there to any of our listeners if you or if you guys have any information on this. That's, uh, you know, eye opening, then we're, <laughs> we're definitely open to hearing from it. Um, yep. another thing too, like you brought this out there uh, saying it's a, it's an, a pre-existing rule that, uh, again is out this year. Something that, uh, it's, it's a regulation that's there, uh, that you and I had talked about and that I just recently found out that is actually in the book, uh, the hunting book, uh, regulations, uh, is, uh, hound hunting. We, yes. at one point we were going like, well, uh, we were kind of uncertain is hound hunting, uh, you know, allowed or permitted in New Brunswick because, uh, uh, the subject came out saying that, you know, I was looking into, uh, acquiring a dog and so were you. And then we were saying, you know, it'd be cool to be able to have a, a, a dog that we'd be able to, uh, go hunting with. And other the, than waterfowl, other than waterfowl, because, because that is legal. We know that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what we did find is that with training and with the certification uh, and with the fur, um, the fur harvester's y- permit, 
the fur harvester's permit, thank you. It's a tongue twister for me. Um, that yes, indeed, you are allowed to hunt certain species of game in New Brunswick with a hound. Now, there are dates that you're allowed to hunt uh, with a hound there that you have to follow by, uh, most of them being, you know, up until uh, September 27th, uh, November 19th to December 31st, uh, and so on, so first, fourth, sorry, uh, February 22nd, sorry. But uh, you have bobcat, you have raccoon, you have hare, uh, and you also have um, fox. Fox. There you go. I was going to say coyote, but it's not true. It's not coyote. No. It's fox. Uh, but these animals are, in fact, uh, this type of game is, in fact, uh, allowed or permitted to be hunted with a, with hounds. Now, you're only allowed three hounds maximum uh, per per license holder. Uh, therefore don't, don't think you can go out there with a, a group of them, but you are allowed up to three hounds. Let's say if you have all your permits and you're three hounds, can I go hunting with you with my three hounds and make it six total? If you have your permit. Really? Okay. So it's, it's three per hunter, but not per group. Because in theory, what it is, is. Your license, you're a license holder, let's say. You're a registered license holder and you have your training. Like, So you have to have your training and I'd have to have okay. my training. It doesn't necessarily mean that all of a sudden at one certain point in time that we just met up. You were hunting yeah, in true. one area, I was hunting in one area, and it just so happened by pure coincidence that we both met up at the same area. I mean, there's yeah, nothing true. that dictates that we were both there at the same time to hunt the same species. So very hard to enforce any kind of regulation there exactly so i mean it's not like a party kind of thing it's more of just like you know you have the the regulation states that you have to have your licenses uh your you know your permits to be able to do so so i mean like i said it's like what says that two moose hunters didn't just meet up and they both have a moose license and they're both hunting in the same area there's it's it's the same concept i mean as long as they both have their permits they're still allowed to hunt you know what i mean that's right. Yeah, makes sense. And I mean, it would be very interesting. I would. L- I don't think I would uh, put myself through the the trouble of necessarily getting all of that. I was looking at like a like you know if they would say that we could use it for um, for small game like for grouse hunting, I would be very interested in getting something like that. Now. Uh, but it's it's obviously a lot of work uh, to to get that trained and everything else. But it's it is pretty cool to know that we can do that in New Brunswick. I would love to go along and see somebody. I've always wanted to see uh, dogs at work like that, like uh, mm-hmm. for for that kind of hunting. It, whether it be a pointer or a, a hound to uh, to follow a, a game trail of of some kind. Um, it's something I'd like to tag along on. I'd like to see it, like to experience. I don't think I would go, uh, and, and invest that much time and effort and money into doing it myself. Uh, I would really like to, uh, in the future have something maybe for retrieving for waterfowl that would very much intrigue me. And I would, I really like that. But uh, no, it, uh, I, I was surprised when you found those regulations. I was very surprised, actually. Yeah. Now, there is one thing, though. And this is one thing that I think is a bit... It, it's it's kind of like in the gray zone, okay. in my opinion. 
of this whole thing. Like now we're talking about hound hunting. Now in terms of hound hunting, this is a animal that tracks down the game that you are you're after, right? Exactly. Now there's two things that I, I see this going as. The first one being that if you look at it, hound hunting other than just going for fur, uh, there really isn't any species other than the hare that is a species that you can actually consume. Now, right. the other three species that you have, you have bobcat, fox, and raccoon. Fox and raccoon, if I'm not mistaken, are considered the varmint. So fox, if I'm not mistaken, is considered into varmint hunting. No, not at all. Not at all? So they you are, still have to do the draw? They are fur bearer. No, it's they're a fur, fur bearer? bearers. Yes. Okay. Because the bobcat is through a draw. Yes. So Still it's a fur bearer, like, but a draw. Still a fur bearer, but it's a draw. So, so my first you know, ick about this as being in considered as hound hunting is that it's not necessarily something that is useful unless you're looking into, you know, producing things with the fur that you require. Mm -hmm. Now, the second thing that I, that I look into is you train your dog, whichever the species of dog that you train. Um, but let's say I'm going out hunting for grouse. Now, this is the thing that that I was talking about. Now, let's say you go hunting for grouse and your dog is with you. Now, you're just going out for a walk with your, your dog and it just so happens that you're hunting. So you're allowed to hunt with your dog, but you're not allowed for your dog to track down a grouse. But what if you were to shoot the grouse and by pure coincidence, your dog goes out, grabs a grouse, brings it back to you. Is it considered a hound hunting or is it just considered your dog bringing back whatever you, you shot? Like if you threw a stick and the dog brought it back. I think that that counts as uh, legal. Uh, the reason I'm saying this is because I follow a lot of online forums and groups, whether it be on Facebook or other things, uh, of New Brunswick hunters. And you do see quite often uh, grouse hunters with their dogs and they clearly state and show a picture of their dog retrieving a downed grouse. But they are not, like you said, they are not pointing it out, which I believe is what makes it legal. Yeah. But I mean, in most cases, a dog will hear a sound and will still point towards the direction of the sound that is happening. Therefore... It's still, con you know, considered as a pointer. <laughs> uh, I understand where, yeah, but it's it's not pointing as like when you see a a, uh, a dog pointing out pheasants. Yeah. You know, like that is literally positioning itself to you to make the pheasant lift in the direction that you are to your advantage. Because I mean, whereas, like, I mean, you know. If if we look at it in a certain sense, like, again, saying, like, let's be honest, like, what dog has not run after a squirrel up a tree, <laughs> right? Exactly. And, I mean, yeah. it's it's going to be the same case, be it a rabbit, be it a gross, be it any type of animal, it'll still run after it, right? Yeah. And, I mean, if it is the specific game that you're after or not, uh, I mean, if I'm gross hunting and all of a sudden my dog were to run after a gross and I'd see the gross pop up in the air, I'm going to still follow it. Like, I mean, if now, that's the specific game that I'm after and my dog accidentally runs after this, this animal because, 
like I said, a dog will run after a squirrel. It just, it happens naturally out of pure instinct. I mean, I'm not going to say like, oh darn, my dog ran after this grouse, so I can no longer run after this grouse. Yeah, but okay. What I could see here being uh, a, a regulation or what would be required to not get confounded with, are you using your dog to hunt? If your dog is leashed until the shot is made and then he just goes to retrieve it. Yeah. You know, if, if you if you have your dog on the leash, he will not be able to point it. He will not be able to, you know, chase after it or, mm. or whatever. I would say that that would probably be, be the argument I would have of walking my dog while hunting Mm-hmm. whether he wants to retrieve it or not yeah. but i am not using my dog to hunt because he is leashed yeah that's what i would see as being and again I, this is not written nowhere that i've ever seen yeah i'm just you know shooting out what i believe would be the not the regulation the the gray zone uh, of acceptability the gray, ex- exactly yeah if if, <laughs> if if I'm walking my dog while hunting and a game warden comes to me and I have him on a leash, I he should obviously know that I'm not using the dog for hunting. Now, is it legal for the dog to retrieve? I'm not even sure. I know yeah. he, he, for waterfowl, yes. For uh, upland birds, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> if anybody does know the exact answer or the exact clarity of this gray zone i would really like to hear about it uh, in comments or email yeah absolutely so with that said i mean we've pretty much you know skimmed over everything plus a, a few extra ones uh our product of the day today uh is something actually that i mean it's not necessarily a product that you can buy you actually receive it for free <laughs> yep and uh, wherever and, you are and and in wherever you are it, it's given to you uh, it is the regulation book that the your provincial or statewide regulation book uh, for hunting and fishing and and you know any type of wildlife or trapping even. Uh, this is something that you receive, uh, and it's yep. something that we're going to talk about. And actually, I'm going to let you Matt uh, talk uh, in depth about uh, the the importance of this item. Yeah, of course. I mean, the hunter safety book. Uh, you know, y- you receive that when you purchase your license. Today, everything's online. You either have an app or your provincial or your state has an app for it. It can be found anywhere. But I mean, everything you need to know, whether you're a seasoned hunter or a new hunter, or it's it's all in there. Um, you know, of course, like this year, these regulations that we, they, we talked about, the new ones, came out after the printing of the book. So you still have to look them up online and, and whatnot. But, I mean, your hunter safety book or your hunter regulation book has everything from legal shooting times to legal shooting seasons to which Sunday you're allowed to hunt, um, you know, what wildlife management zone, map-wise, where the boundaries are. It's all stuff you need to know as a hunter. And, and yes, of course, we all know. Like, in my situation, let's say, and, and you know it, Dave, where our hunting grounds are. It's literally at a cross-section of three wildlife management zones. If you're hunting on one side of the the road, you're in one zone. If you're hunting on the 
other side of the road, you're in another zone. And if you cross the river, you're in another zone. So, I mean, you, you do have to watch out and know where you're at. And, and you know, so your hunter regulation booklet will give you everything from boundaries, seasons, times, uh, your hunter orange, uh, your definitions of certain things. Uh, your legal shooting distances. We've talked about this on on many occasions over the last seasons of, you know, uh, a lot of these small things that we come to know and and just by being in it so much, we know it. But there are always changes. There's We're always going to doubt ourselves a little bit. Um, So this is, you should just have it in your, your backpack, in your, you should have it, you should read it. Uh, not necessarily reading the definitions over all the time and, and, you know, but just go over, let's say you're going deer hunting, go to the deer hunting section and they're going to say the first paragraph is what's new for 2021. What's new for 2022. It'll always be there. Everything that's passed will stay the same. Read what's new, at least that. And, and it's, it's there. Like you said, it's there, it's available. It's on all platforms. It's paper. It's online. It's on your phone. Just use this product to your advantage. Be safe. Be within the regulations, and and just save yourself a whole lot of trouble. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, with that said, uh, this is the uh, the cap off for uh, episode ten of season three. And uh, again, I'd like to wish everybody a great. Uh, continuity continuity in your hunting season uh, as well as to be safe out there uh, to be responsible and uh, again I'd like to thank everybody check your regulations and again I'd like to thank everybody for listening in and uh, wish you great a great day thanks and have a good one cheers cheers guys